Hey, Emily. Hey, Stephanie. You uh, want to do a podcast? Absolutely. Welcome to Cycle Chats, a podcast to destigmatize what it means to be a woman. This is episode 67, Communication in the Bedroom. We are speaking with a self-described sex nerd and lover of all things sexual health. She has an advanced degree in sexual health with a designation in sex therapy and has been involved in the sex education world for 10 plus years with a wide range of experience. It's sexpert and host of the podcast, After Sexed, Sabrina Baldini. Sabrina, thank you so much for coming to the show. We're so excited to have you on. Thank you. It's actually after sex ed, but that is <gasps> very you. common. That is so common. People think it's like after you get sexed. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. After sex ed. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. See, we we hear it here now first. So now all of our listeners, when they hear this episode, are going to be like, oh, I was saying it wrong. <laughs> I like that though. That's fun. Well, this is really exciting. We love talking about this type of topic and like sex education and sexual health and all of that stuff. So this is this is one that I've been checkmarked on the books for a while. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I feel like this conversation was a long time coming. I know it was something that, you know, we've kind of put into the universe for a while and we finally were able to make it work. So I can't wait to dive in and get the conversation going and the communication going. So my first question always is what made you get into this field? I feel like in so many ways, it kind of chose me in that really cliche way. I went back to grad school, like well into my 30s to get a grad degree or grad certificate in sexual health and rehabilitative medicine. And all of that to say that that was the first time that I saw sex positivity just like mapped out like in a PowerPoint, like in a lecture slide, like this is what sex positivity is. And then to see it kind of like blasted there in bullet points, I was just like this realization of like, okay, so I've been like that for as long as I can actually remember. And I think I understood the concept of sex positivity without actually having the language like I didn't know how to say it so why did I get into this field I mean I can recall when I was like 10 11 years old sitting in sex ed class in Toronto in Catholic school in the 90s and basically arguing with teachers and being like explain it better I disagreed with a lot of the things that they were saying about the concept of losing something when you have sex like that was really kind of pumped into the ecosystem you lost virginity you lost your soul you lost your worth you lost respect like you have no respect for yourself like and I'm challenging it a lot and that's what really made me get into the field I think was like really being attracted to sex positivity which is basically that sex is not a shame-based activity in that it's a healthy part of the human experience and that consent is the most important part of it if you have it you've given it then this shame get it out of your head and I've just been attracted to things like that like I've just been attracted to it my whole life. I do want to say that I always kind of volunteered in a sexual health space for so long, for decades. So teaching sex ed and being involved in sex education, if you ask any sex educator or any sex coach or sex therapist, they're going to tell you it's not a straight shot. It's a really funny, clunky ride. So I always volunteered in sexual health and sexual education and then had this like money job Bruce Wayne life where I was always like working and business development and sales and marketing, but always drawn to this passion. So the short answer to that is I'm so passionate about sex education. I'm just, I have so much passion for it. So you said that you went to Catholic school. Was that also like home stuff as well? Did you grow 
grow up in a sex positive household where that was talked about or like immediately was frowned upon? So I, I'm a practicing sex coach now. I do intakes with people. And I ask people all the time, like, what was your framework? Like, what was your sex ed? Like, tell me about school. Tell me about parents. And I really kind of see myself as somewhere generally middle of the road of like, I definitely got told the sex is dirty stuff for sure. Sex wasn't really discussed in my household, but nothing I would say traumatic. It just wasn't discussed. Like if I wanted to talk about it, I probably could have brought it up, but it wasn't something that was really said. That said, like again, because there's so much nuance to talking about sex and sexuality, I wasn't censored. Like I grew up in kind of a conservative home, but my mom let me watch whatever movie I wanted and whatever TV shows I wanted. Same with my brother and my sister. And I read so many different books. I read Cosmo when my friends weren't allowed to read it and would bring it to school. I think my sex education came from all of these different sources, but definitely not school like definitely not home <laughs> where most people would probably get or I shouldn't even say that lots of people don't get their sex head from either of those things yeah I think that's the way for a lot of people right because I always think of like just telling somebody no makes them so much more interested in doing that thing like no drugs no alcohol all right you got it challenge accepted like it's exciting I was the opposite I so I grew up in Catholic school and so I was like mortified I was gonna go burn in hell if I even looked at you know anything in a sexual manner so I recent I would say within the last like two years started to get out of that you know I can finally say you know I I can enjoy sex and I like understand its purpose and the pleasure behind it and the necessity behind it and how it's actually so good for you in so many ways sorry if I may I agree with you like I was very scared too it wasn't like I was instinctively like no way like there was there were big parts of me that were like like really really nervous about it nervous about hell you know really did think I was probably gonna go to hell for a good chunk of time there yeah thought some of my friends were gonna go but then I don't know I just again like I don't know hell seems more fun now these days as I'm getting older I'm just like dude (laughs) half of us are going bring the chips and dip let's party you know we're in Florida so we're already like a quarter of the way there Oh my gosh. I'm in Toronto. And I think people tend to view Toronto in Canada as this like really like sex positive, like racism, sexism free utopia. No, we've got problems here. Like, yeah, in my, my Catholic school upbringing in the 90s, I'm like an elder millennial. Like it wasn't great. You guys, it wasn't great. Like hellfire, sins of the flesh. Sins of the Flesh. That sounds like a badass band name. (laughs) That's what I was going to say. I was like, that's a really good band name. So kind of to get back on track. So what's one of the biggest problems that you think men and women face in the bedroom together? Or just really a couple, couples in general? Oh my gosh. Like, where do I start? Where do I start? I would say that, I mean, I'm going to say like communication is like such a problem. I think it's that, can I rewind for a second? Because I teach sex ed to kids too. I teach mainly menstruation, but I've taught sex ed in all these different capacities. I always like to tell people that some of the most popular questions that I get from kids, from adolescents around sex is usually something like, what if you make a mistake? Can you apologize? What if you don't know what to do next? Are you allowed to talk? Are you allowed to laugh? Things like that. It's very that's, heartwarming. That's very sweet. Yes. And that that theme comes up a lot. And I think there's so many different reasons why that's happening. I think, A, they're seeing sex in movies and TV and in porn too. And there isn't any communication and nobody's actually talking to each other. And it looks very choreographed. And the angles too. It's like you have to be realistic that she's not or they're not feeling that much from that angle. 
I'm like, I don't know. That's not real. <laughs> you know, I give cards to all the kids when I do lessons. And I remember one of the kids asking, like, when you lose your virginity, how many different positions should you try? So there's like this really big, like, I don't want to say fixation, just throw words like that around. But like, it looks like a movie. It's a performance, you know, like, and then really having to be very clear that grownups in real life talk to each other. You are allowed to talk. You are allowed to ask questions. And this like feeling of like moves. You know what I mean? Like, what if I don't know all the moves? What if I only do one or two moves the first time? Like, what's going to happen? Nothing is going to happen. This is the reason I started after sex ed was because I just noticed that, you know, so many kids, when I would teach sex ed, like the teachers and the parents or whatever grownups were in the room would like pull me aside and be like, nobody told me that. I don't understand that. No one ever explained anything to me. So that's like kind of the genesis of after sex ed. But I would say even in sex coaching now, I'll teach sex ed and then boop, go to a coaching session with a couple. And it's like, you, it's the same thing. Like any sex coach or any sex therapist is going to tell you that couples that have the most satisfying sex lives are the ones that talk about it the most, period. The people that have the most satisfying sex lives as individuals are the ones that think about it the most and fantasize and have active fantasy lives and have, you know, figured out ways to communicate that to their partner. That's it. So I would say the biggest problem usually kind of like zooming out is communication. And I think it really is mostly like it's, it's so nuanced, but it really depends on what your framework is for sex like is sex a place where people are you performing like this idea that like what if I screw this up and it's really goal oriented I think has really permeated everyone's mind but if you kind of take that off the table for a second you're like think about those kids like are you allowed to ask questions are you allowed to talk to each other like yes 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 and if that's the case then sex is not a place where you perform it's a place where you learn it's a learning thing so you start talking some of the biggest issues that I've run into with couples is again like shame they're like it depends on what your framework is for sex if your framework for sex what you've been exposed to for most of your life is really steeped in shame saying to somebody like you have these wants and desires just communicate them just say it is like super super tough like some people can't do it I had a client who was like, I would literally rather die than have to like look into my husband's eyes and say like this, this, this. Again, like if sex is a place where you learn and you communicate, well, is talking the only way? Like you can write something down, right? You can text him, right? Like you can send a picture, you can send a gif, you can send a song, like something that like communicates your wants in that way. Anyways, what is the biggest issue people run into? I think, you know, they define sex differently. They don't know how to communicate their wants. And they want to have sex, but they don't want to talk about it. Well, that kind of makes sense because I know like there was a point in my life where I felt like bad if I told my partner that I didn't like what they were doing. And that is honestly because I remember being told really one of the first times I ever with a serious partner, he was like, don't tell me what to do. Like, I know what I'm doing. I've had a lot of people tell me I was good at this. And I was like, well, then liars. I don't, this is not yeah. good for me. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Like they've all been lying to you. And that was actually, that was kind of the genesis of my, I will never fake it. I don't know if that's like the smartest thing to do when I meet, you know, when I start to have a like a new partner, I'm like, just so you know, heads up, I will not fake and you will know if it is not good. And I'm like, that's not like I'm not threatening you. I'm just letting you know that like I'm big on talking and I'm going to let you know, like if it don't feel good, I'm going to be like, hey, stop. I'm cramping, you know, and it's we can laugh, too. I feel like humor is important during sex. Why would that be a bad thing, though? You said that you're like, I don't know if it's a good thing, but I'm not going to ever fake. That's a great thing. That's a great philosophy. I don't know, because I don't know if that like intimidates certain people. I've always noticed that when I do that, I'm met with like, this is 
just never happened before and like they can't keep it solid you know see even i'm getting like weird i'm very sex positive and i'm getting weird about how i say things because i'm like oh yeah 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 so but like that's I, and and i'm like i wonder if that has to do with me kind of putting the pressure i mean again like i know i said the word nuance a lot there are a lot of nuance to talking about sex like being careful about how you say things like it, it would be really easy like i work with couples where like they're together a long time and she hasn't had an orgasm so you know zooming out if you were to just like assess it it would be very easy to be like oh he did this is heterosexual like cisgender has heterosexual couples it would be very easy to be like oh he's he's a bad guy but then when you start like asking questions it's like well she's actually not giving any feedback you know and she actually is kind of faking it and does he even know like does he know that you're not having an orgasm and sometimes it's it's no or sometimes like he's aware that it, it's hard for me but like but what you're like oh I'm going crazy the entire time like I recently discovered there's different types of orgasms and that was because I had a partner that we were very communicative outside of and in the bedroom and I was like wow that's crazy and like it was like a dance it was weird it was the first time I had a partner that read my body and that because of that I felt comfortable and safe to say to him this is what I need from you and he felt comfortable like we knew how to integrate it like that part of it was fabulous I was like wow I can show you the world like it was just a whole different I was like I didn't know any of this existed you know because you always think it's like the big O and like that's that's the one you want and I'm like man there's a whole other list of them that you can have during sex and it's fabulous spread the word hell everyone <laughs> yeah I will I will not gatekeep I'm like listen ladies but that also was because I started to do research on my own body and what my body was capable of. And so like I started doing self-exploration. Is that something that you feel like maybe couples have a hard time with, which can integrate into why they have such struggles in the bedroom? Yeah, sure. I mean, people have, you know, different relationships with sex and, and self-love and masturbation. Like it, it depends. Like, you know, so much of the work is like kind of asking yourself like what your framework is for sex. Like, how do you define it? How do you do it? Like, what is intimacy? How do you define it? Are they the same thing? Why, why not? Like asking yourself all these questions and different people have different relationships relationships with self-exploration like I definitely like certainly have assigned masturbation as homework and been like you're gonna do this and not necessarily masturbation to completion which I think is what people struggle with it's self-exploration the way that you said so you're gonna just touch to see what feels good and you're gonna journal right here and you're gonna write down what you like and the goal is not to have an orgasm the goal is just to feel around and see what you like to take pressure off of you so that you know what other parts of your body feels like you know as far as like women because I think women and can be different and I well, we could talk about that forever but I always like to point out to straight couples that study after study after study has always shown that when women are masturbating more in a relationship they're actually more it's a sign of more sexual satisfaction it's when you stop masturbating for women anyways that it's kind of a cause for concern why are you not connected with your body anymore for men it's like masturbation actually just kind of stays the same going a little backwards because I, I wrote down some notes the idea of learning in the bedroom I think that's so important I think we forget how important education just is in all all aspects of life. We just think of education, school. We forget that like education can come home and we can do it in different aspects of our life. Oh, you said so many things and my brain was lighting up and I can't even remember what I was going to say. That's, like, yeah, that's why yeah, I have to yeah, write yeah, things yeah. down. Yeah, maybe I should get my notes out too. You know what I was going to say was that so often like in sex coaching, I'm setting goals. Like what, like, what is the, what are the goals you want to hit? You want like, sometimes it's like, I want to last longer in bed or I want to be more connected with myself or whatever. All of that to say, like I kind of mentioned it before, like it really starts with like what is sex and how do you define it and like I think it would really shock you how many people are like especially because most of my clients are straight like cisgendered straight people that they're like a penis goes into a vagina like 
that's how they define sex. And then, you know, I'm like, is sex a pleasure-based activity? And they're like, yes. Like, it feels good. It's supposed to feel good. And then, you know, the next question I always ask, particularly for women, is do you have an orgasm from penetrative sex or from clitoral stimulation? And the answer almost always is clitoral stimulation. So, like, if the goal of sex is to feel good and to experience pleasure, you're defining it a way where you don't actually feel that great. Like, it's not like it feels bad. Again, like, no one's saying that's bad, but, like, our definition of sex, like, is so skewed. It's so phallic-centric. It's so masculine-centric, you know? It's just so steeped into the language, like how we even talk about anything that when you start saying like sex is a place where people have fun, most of my female clients that I work with have issues with orgasm. So I've been asked a lot, like, how do you know you have one? So I get that question a ton. But not long ago, I had someone ask me like, she was basically like, I feel like I'm doing sex wrong. Like every time I see it, every time I like watch it, you know, or porn, movies, TV doesn't matter. Like it's not me. Like it's not me. That's not how I act. Like how do you know it's right? And I was like, how do you know you're doing sex right? Is basically like if it's fun. And it was like, you know, watching the color drain from someone's face is so sad because it's like, well, I don't think I've ever seen it that way. It was just something that was kind of like done to her. That's so sad. And I know that's something that like I was told, you know, sometimes you just gotta, you gotta give the guy, you know, if they take you out to dinner, you just gotta you got to do that just to make him happy. And like, I didn't realize how unhealthy that was till I'm an adult. And so I always used to have those views. And that's, that's so ingrained, I think, in who we are as women, that that's really hard to break. And it is sad. My one friend, she's like, I just want to be touched by a man. Sex really is never something that's good. I don't get off from it. But I just love the closeness that I have with the man. And I'm like, that's crazy. She's like, you know, I don't really ever do it for me. I do it for my partner. And I'm like, but you should be doing it for you. And like, I love when my partner is turned on. It turns me on. But like now, especially now, because I've done the work and I've gone through therapy, I'm turned on when I'm turned on. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And then when my partner's turned on, I'm even more turned on. And then when they're turned on about me being turned on and it's like this big turn on party, <laughs> and I'm just like, yes. So it is, that is extremely sad when you talk to women, especially women. I don't know that I've ever really talked to many men that have that issue. But yeah, it's and, and it's fixable. So if anyone's listening, they're like, oh, my God, that's me. And like, oh, like it's always been it, it, it's fixable. It just takes like I always say the sex is not this thing that pe- nobody woke up one day, started doing it and was like magically amazing. It does not work like that and I think again I know I've said the word nuance so much but really make room for nuance and sex creating this world around it where it's like you know two souls on a journey that collide and the spark like it's amazing it can be amazing it can absolutely be amazing and a great emotional journey and I think a lot of people with any sex experience would tell you like when the person knows you well and you know them quite well it it tends to be very fulfilling like it it's just a little bit different a little bit better like that said sex is an activity just like any other activity it takes practice it takes learning you you experiment you try things with yourself you know all that matters is that you have consent and that you've given it so move on about this you know having to look a certain way or be a certain way or that you have to perform a certain way or it's for somebody else it is for you I could talk about this forever but this relationship of selfishness and selflessness in sex and in sex therapy comes up so much about you know I think selfish when you hear the word sounds expressly negative but in sex like it is required sometimes like a balance a good balance of it 
you know, we used to, Stephanie's going to say the same thing that I was going to say, but we used to say that word all the time, selfish. And we were like, you know what? We just need to stop the negative word that comes along with that. All the other words that come along with the saying the word selfish. So we literally have a sticker that says healthy selfish on the website because you're just being selfish for you. It, it's not bad. Sometimes yes, selfish can have negative things, but like if you're just being selfish because you need like five minutes of time, you're not bad. That's healthy selfish. You're allowed to take that five minutes. Can I ask you guys something then? What do you think of the word objectification? Is that expressly Ooh. negative? Or do you think there's any positive there? So you're not on trial. <laughs> I think, right, the way I did that sigh, that was expressly <laughs> negative. I was like, oh God. I think objectification automatically, I think of something negative. I do too. I can maybe, if I took time to like really think about it, there are times where I will go out dressed a certain way where, you know, I'll make a joke. I would love to be objectified tonight. Buy me a drink. You know, I am wearing that top because I know what attention I'm going to get. So I could see where you could put a positive spin on it, but initially knee jerk, it's, it's negative. Yeah. I, I would say the same thing. It came into my body and I was like, oh, that's negative because I don't want to be objectified for my body. That is something that that I actively try not to have happen. <laughs> it's not so simple. It's not so black and white. Like you can't throw people into buckets and you can't, I mean, in the same way, like throw words into buckets, I guess. Like the word selfish, like I was saying, comes up so frequently in sex therapy and sex coaching. Like it is okay. Like so often I'm coaching clients, like just tell the person what you want. It is okay to be selfish because you feeling good is a part of this whole experience. And then the word objectification comes up a lot too, oftentimes in like sex therapy and sex, you know, studies in that more like viewing yourself as an object to be desired, like you, yourself is very important. Like, do you want yourself? Self-objectification, that unlocked something. There's a whole theory like behind it and without you know boring you with all the details but like like healthy sexual interaction looks like this you see you are object or whatever your x you see y you want y and then y looks back at you looks at your body and is like oh and then you have a click and you're like i am wanted so like wanting to be wanted by somebody is really important. And then you start to see yourself as an object. This is the more cerebral academic stuff, but like it creeps up in coaching sometimes where, you know, people don't really see themselves as a, as a person that's desired and that sucks. Well, I want to ask this question because I think it's really important. We were talking about partnerships and couples, and I think this idea of frequency of sex and how much sex is like healthy for you or healthy for a relationship or is like the goal for a healthy relationship. So like how much is too much? Like how does frequency work? I want to unleash those marbles from that <laughs> canister. It's a tough one. Like it, it's all relative. I would say the short answer to that is that frequency like isn't really all that important. It's not really quantity, it's quality. But I think it's so important and should just be the title of this episode episode quality over quantity like don't you just you want it to be satisfying like Steph and I can bleep this out if you'd like Steph was having sex with somebody and he wasn't giving her what she needs she was like I think I'll go out with him again I was like why I don't understand I had to really like check myself with it because I was like yeah he was fun and all but like it kind of just felt I don't know it felt like he wasn't really on the same page and I was like buddy you're not reading 
any of the signals. You were like telling him stuff? Yes. I was telling him things, but then also it was how aggressively he wanted it. It was one of those things where like he immediately turned into this like total horn dog. And I was like, I was like, I don't know. You know, and like in the beginning, we had like discussed that we weren't looking for anything serious. And I was like, okay, it could be fun. I realized very quickly that that's all he was interested in with me. And like he could have cared less about the podcast. And like I was talking about things that I liked. And I was like, you just don't care about me at all other than being a hole for you essentially and that to me is like you can do casual but you have to have communication and there has to be a base there that I at least know that you you respect me and like push came to shove I ended up setting a boundary for myself that I was not going to have sex again we went out and then of course it started to steer in that direction I said no a little dirty talk was exchanged and then all of a sudden he went from wanting he's like well maybe I do want a relationship to not wanting one at all and I was like ah and there it is. So I feel like casual sex has such a bad rap and people are like, oh, you're never going to be fulfilled. And I made a comment earlier where I was like, well, if you know the person really well, it's, you know, probably going to be better. Sure, sure. But like, I've had really satisfying casual sex where I didn't know the person at all. And we had a lot of fun. I don't know why some people, and this is like, maybe we're just wired different or like, I really truly think we'll have world peace when people can look at casual sex and be like, it can still be playful we can still have a ton of fun I want to know what you want to do like tell me it sucks for me if you don't want to tell me what you like it sucks for me if I feel like weird about telling you you know because I think you don't care like that stinks you know and I think it's so important too to understand what you yourself are willing to do I've been that was kind of in my casual phase and I will tell you that eventually that got very old and very empty for me personally and I started to kind of look at it differently I was like okay what what do I want out of relationships? And for me, it was, I want intimacy without the physicality to start. I want to build a foundation. I don't want it to immediately just go to that because I, me, Stephanie personally didn't connect with that. And I think that's also really important to like that self-exploration though, that, that took time for me to like explore the different sides of myself until something fit and felt right. And like communicating and all that. And I don't stop myself. Like if the mood is striking me and I can feel that it's not coming from a lusty place for myself personally, and I feel like I'm being respected and it comes up and we're two consenting adults, I'm in it to win it. But if I feel like I'm kind of forcing myself to do it because I'm getting the signals but I'm not really feeling comfortable. I just don't ever have sex if you're not if you're not totally connected with it. I don't know. I just think like you're doing yourself a disservice if you force yourself to want to have sex with someone because you want them to like you or you want them to stick around. It's like I fight that one I worked on fighting that urge because I was like if you're only in this for that and you don't care to get to know me, I can tell you the sex isn't going to be good at all. So yeah, but like, I'm, I'm not implying that you're not giving yourself a break. But I've like had to speak and work with so many people where I've been like, you have to give yourself a break. Okay, like you're just learning. You're talking about life experience right now. Like you tried things you did it and you learned and now you you know better in, in these ways. I'm recognizing that I'm doing this again. It's like this relationship that I think we've all been pummeled with where sex is a place I said it before where you lose something like you lose your soul, you lose your di- that's the stuff I was taught, you know, but when it's a lie, lie you gain you gain something every time you gain knowledge you gain life experience you gain maturity 
you gain emotional maturity. Sometimes it doesn't feel like that right away, but you are a human being. You learned. You have to live. That's it. And sex is an activity just like any other one. I'm not saying it's not emotional. I'm not saying that you're not going to feel things, but like complicated. It's filled with all different kinds of emotion, but it's got nothing to do with your worth as a human being. Yeah. Yes. That's what I say all the time is I'm like, it does not define your worth period. Like you want to do it. Great. You don't want to do it. Great. You are curious. You're, you know what I mean? And you sound a lot like my therapist where like I had a bad encounter. I was like a little bit upset at myself because I crossed my own boundary. And she's like, but what did you learn from it? And I was like, well, what do you mean? She's like, well, what'd you learn out of this experience? And I started listing and started kind of trying to put a, a, a spin, a different lens on it. And I was like, oh yeah, huh? I guess I, I actually did get something out of it. She goes, were you safe? I was like, absolutely. She's like, then you know what? Don't beat yourself like exactly what you said. Give yourself a friggin' break. It's okay. Like stop beating yourself up. And you know, unfortunately, I think social media has a huge part to play in the way that we view sex. You know, we're like, it's got to be this way and that's it. And you're like, I don't think that's don't accurate. Think so. <laughs> it's not. So we talked a lot about straight sex. So that's kind of the, the vein in which we are traveling. So things women don't know about men and what they prefer in the bedroom. These are all based on like your experience and what you've kind of got from your your clientele. I'll weave you a tale, okay? Weave it's me just a like, tale. Let's hear I, it. Like, I hear this so frequently. Like in se- So the difference between sex therapy and sex, because I'm not a sex therapist, I'm a sex coach, but I'm actually working towards a designation sex therapy. I don't have it yet. Sex coaching is very goal-oriented. Therapy is more like an exploration of your past. Think of it like that. You kind of peel away layers and explore deep like into your past to try to figure out how it got you here presently. Sex coaching is more goal-focused. So we're going to, what is your pie in the sky? That's it. Okay, we're going to try to do that. So I'll work with couples really frequently and all actually all of my clients are cis het just so you know I ha- like I don't know why it's just kind of happened that way that most of them are cisgender straight but it is what it is so like what are your goals what do you want and again I don't want to be general but this is what ha- this is what tends to happen so do with this what make with this what you will okay and I've said this on TikTok and I've I've gotten a lot of you know it's just a lot of good a lot of discussion anyways women will generally tend to say things like you know my pie in the sky the best sex ever what I'm really looking for is like I just want to be able to like like just like let go I don't want to like worry about anything for anymore I just want to go nuts like I want to go nuts like and I want to they'll say I want to let my guard down a lot too like I'm just not like thinking it's like this unbridled not exhibition it's like it's, it's like escape uninhibited yeah you just want to be feral that's what I always call it like they want to be like yeah and then also like I want them to just like take me in all these like kind of different ways but anyways and then men will generally say things like best sex ever is like she wants me so bad and she's going crazy and she's just like all over me and she's like blah, 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 like going nuts and I want to like see it like I just like want her to like really like yearn for me you know I like the takeaway that I have after like hearing people talk like that and they usually will say the same thing so frequently is that everybody wants to be wanted so this like objectification thing I think people society we've really thrown that at women like you're the object it would shock you how much men are like I want to be tossed around I want to be objective I want to be looked at like a little piece of meat I want her to like ravage me I think that you know men want to be pursued a lot and romanced a lot I think they're not again like social media I don't think they say that a ton oh I'm extremely 
aggressive. I used to always be like so shy. And now I'm just like, hey, you got a girlfriend. And it almost might be like a little bit. It's like jarring. They're like, wow, what are you? And, I, you know, I'm just like, I want to go out and I'll be like paying for their first round because I'm like, well, I asked you out, you know, like I'm like, I don't know, like peeing on them. Like I'm marking my territory. It's very weird, <laughs> but it works. It's crazy. They're like, I've never, ever experienced this. You know, I bought a guy flowers one time and you would have thought they're like, I've never in my life. I've never had a girl buy me flowers. And it's the cutest thing ever. So ladies, if you want to get him, buy him flowers. I agree. All of that. Like, I guess I've witnessed in real time people the way that they're talking. Like women will generally tend to make these statements of like, I just want to go nuts and be uninhibited. And then all that to say that women tend to make I statements a lot. Like I'm going nuts and I'm going crazy and I just want to let go. And then I've found that men will be like, she wants me so bad. She's going crazy. She's going nuts. Very she centric. And then I'll be like, so you guys like basically like your goals that we're setting right here are like, you want to go nuts and you want to see her go nuts like you're saying the same thing and female pleasure female orgasm the clitoris all of it is so steeped in secrecy and taboo that it's not an accident and when you actually listen to people talk about what they really love about sex like men and women i guess like straight people this is my experience it's her orgasm like they both just want it so bad i don't like and this is a bit more of a cerebral little theory that i'm like concocting but it really never ceases to amaze me how frequently women make kind of like selfish I statements about the kind of sex that they find the most satisfying and that men will make actually like she statements which makes me think that male sexuality is a little bit more relational there's like a lot of concern over how the two parties are relating because they spent all this time talking about her behavior and then it makes me like I just want to grab women and be like do you have any idea how much power you have like do you have any idea how much power you have if you were like this 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 and this this is what I want like there's a pretty good chance like you know sitting in these offices I'm like I think he'll probably do it if you ask him you just if you're clear I he doesn't have to obviously but this like hunger that he has he wants to know so interestingly enough I had a partner who was like oh I'm a dude I'm gonna get off pretty easy he's like so my concern really isn't me I'll be fine he's like I want you to tell me exactly what you want because I know it's gonna be a little bit harder for you and I was like wow and that I mean couldn't even tell you that was like the best I've never had a guy say that to me and I'm like what did you just say he's like yeah it's about you it's about what you want I'm like okay you know like but that's how I was able to find out that there were more than one orgasm I was like what's I think it's just so important that people, especially if, you know, men are listening to this, when women describe like great partners and great sex, you're just describing somebody who's very attentive and very curious. Yes. Like no one says anything in my experience about having like 10 inch penises and can do it for hours. Like it is so rarely that it's like playful, funny, curious. He asks me questions. It's like, do you have any idea how much of sex just lives here? Clearly we could talk to you forever. This is one of Stephanie and my favorite conversations off mic. So thank you for enlightening us. I have a thousand more questions, which we'll just have to start bringing people back. We've never done that, but I think it's just going to start having to happen. So I want to start closing up with the conversation because I know that you empowered me. I was looking to like lead into it a little earlier, but that's okay. Steph asked her her question. We got so many good answers. What does women empowerment mean to you? You can take that in general, or you can make it and frame it more in just your light if you'd like. What is women empowerment mean to me? I think like being unapologetically in pursuit of pleasure. I feel like we have this obsession in society with humbling women. Like you're not that high, you're not that great. Like, no, brag. 
be like, I work hard. I'm amazing. Like women's empowerment, I think is not having to apologize for your successes or wanting or having the, to justify why you want to have joy and feel good and have pleasure in your life. If that makes sense. I see that like big picture, but really like sex, God, just ask for what you want. And also just connecting with yourself, getting to know yourself and making, you know, your own self-love and your own self discovery, not even just through like masturbation, but even just through self-exploration. It's just so empowering. It just feels so good. There's no better relationship than one you have with yourself. Yeah, that's important. Extremely, extremely true. So then I know at the beginning of the conversation, kind of go in a lovely little circle here, I was talking about how I wish that I could tell my younger self when I started having sex, what sex could be and like what it wasn't at that age when I really was just a hole for somebody. You've said it earlier. I I just repeated it. It's true, but it's just, you know. I've repeated what Stephanie said, everyone. Be mad at her. No, I know. But I want to know what advice you would give your 15-year-old self. Oh, my God. So many things. But I know I already said it, and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but this idea that you lose something when you have sex, I think that really haunted me for a very long time. It was like this amorphous thing of like, you're going to do it, and your soul's going to be gone, and you can't get that. You can't get your soul back. And like, I wish I could sit her down and be like, there's going to come a day where you're going to realize that's utter nonsense. And I was already making out and going on dates, and I already found that relationship with like losing something thing and being shameful so bizarre because every time I made out with my boyfriend or every time we did seven minutes in heaven we were laughing and it was so fun and funny and I thought that can't be right it just can't be right that you lose something when look how much like fun we're like gaining this really great experience I wish I could go back and tell her that grown-ups don't know everything and that you're gonna realize that you can be an adult and be completely full of it okay and that Sometimes kids are smarter and that listen to yourself and listen to your gut because your instincts are right. I loved all of that. Yes, that was a, a, a <laughs> yummy little slice. Nom, 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 nom. And that is absolute fact that I think, honestly, adults are just big kids who have more experience. Like my brother and I had that conversation recently where I was like, I just thought at like 31, I like somehow was going to have everything figured out. He's like, yeah, I think we're all just faking it. Like, I think that's what it is, is you just kind of like learn from your last mistake and like you fake that you kind of know what you're doing. He's like, but I don't think that that ever really goes away. And I talked to my parents and they're like, oh yeah, like we still sometimes are like, I don't know what's going on. It's weird. Because I think kids need to be taught that sometimes adults don't have the answer. Like, and you have to trust your own experience, regardless of how old you are. I get asked that a lot, even by parents. Like, how do you, like your kids, like, how do you know when they're ready for sex? They'll ask a lot. How do you know when you're ready? And maturity, like maturity is a big word. And then like, define it. What is that? And you know, it's somebody who's a good listener and somebody who's patient, somebody who doesn't yell over you, somebody that can laugh at themselves and can help you to laugh at yourself. And like the most important thing to remember, and I've even had this conversation with kids is, never said age. You can be a grown-up and not be mature. You can be a teenager and have a hell of a lot of maturity. And you can be that way in bed too. You can be patient. You can be a good listener. You can be all these things. Like we get all of these messages about teenage sexuality that's crazy. Like, you know what I mean? Especially teenage boys. Like, oh, they're going to like, they're ravenous. You can be an adult man and have no maturity and say ridiculous things. Okay. And you can be a teenage boy and be patient and kind and gentle and love it. All those things. That's maturity. I love that you said that because I am on the journey of not hating men after many years of hating men because I realized that a lot of the men that I don't like were just little boys who were not guided. And so I think, yes, I think that's very poignant. And that's I'm glad that you said that because we need to treat our young men 
with the same tenderness and kindness emotionally that we treat our young girls. Oh boy, that's a whole other episode. About oh yes, it is. I know I could go on. And, oh my gosh, yeah. I digress. That's a whole other thing, but I agree with everything you just said. So we know where to find you. Where can other people find you? And do you have anything coming up that we should be keeping our eyes and lips open for? Yes, for sure. So you can find me at aftersexed.com. I have a podcast too, <laughs> but I parked it for a little bit. I'm working on my second season. You can find me wherever you find podcasts, Spotify, all that stuff. But the things that I have coming up are I've got three courses coming up. They're going to be asynchronous courses. You can buy them off of my website. One is about sex drive mismatches, which I spend so much time talking about. So a high drive versus a low drive and practical tips. There's like relationship profiles. There's all kinds of activities. Another course I'm going to be dropping very soon. I'm doing it. It's a porn literacy course because I spend so much of my time talking about porn. We didn't really talk about that at all, but the vast majority of my clients are men and they're all under 40 and they all have some kind of issue with porn. They're weaning themselves off. They're also weaning themselves off of alcohol. I'm seeing this like two lane thing that's happening here. Wellness is coming up a lot. I find with my male clients. So I'm dropping a porn literacy course soon. Same thing on my website after You can download it there soon. Not there yet. And I'm actually doing that in partnership with Make Love Not Porn. I'm not sure if you know Make Love Not Porn, but when you purchase my porn literacy course, you'll get credit for Make Love Not Porn, which is like real world sex. I'm very pro real sex. We can actually like create adult sex entertainment that's like not what mainstream porn is. And I have a masturbation workshop coming up too that I'm going to be dropping soon. But And it's for women, it's for folks with vulvas. And it's a little history. I'm going to give you a little bit of academia and then practical tips and then take-home activities and then all kinds of like maintenance and toy stuff. And you can find me at After Sex Ed. That is my handle on Instagram. And I'm Learn with Sabrina on TikTok because I got banned a whole bunch of times. <laughs> I used to be After Sex Ed, but I'm Learn with Sabrina there. And I'm going to be speaking at Reimagine Sexuality in October. It's a sex conference. Perfect. Oh, that's amazing. That's awesome. Where is that at? It's actually online. I think it was normally somewhere in Austin. I want to say, but it's online, it's virtual. So anybody can obviously, anybody can attend, you can go, but I'm going to be speaking on porn for her, like ethical porn, make love, not porn, stuff like that. So ethical porn and it's positive impact that it's had on my male clients because I've seen a lot of positive work being done with them. I cannot thank you enough. I know Steph will be either calling or texting me after saying how much she enjoyed this episode because I know her so well. I'm going to say it now because I got to go attend to little Hankford upstairs, but this was incredible and you are incredible and wonderful. And it's so nice because sex is such a hard conversation to have and you make it very comfortable. I even feel like, okay, there's actually a couple things that I need to do for homework that you mentioned that I never thought of before. And I'm like, this is going to change everything. Yeah. So (laughs) I don't know if I like Zell you or Venmo you or like, how do I, you know, it's like, I feel like I owe you something. (laughs) Follow me on Instagram. Done, done and done. Thank you so much for your time. We always say time is money. So thank you for spending so much of your time with us. And for all of you cycle cats and kittens listening, if this is your first time listening, welcome to cycle chats podcast. We are so excited to have you here. You can find out more about us on our Instagram at cycle chats, all lowercase, no space, or go to our website, www.cyclechats.com. It has literally everything there. Look out for a new Cycle Swaps episode coming out this Saturday with our two favorite other podcasting hosts, Jess and Sarah from Flow Podcast. Thank you again, Sabrina. This was an absolute pleasure. We will definitely have you back. And as always, we hope you sync up with us next time.